The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Amplifier Advisors, LLC, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. And welcome to this What's Working in Washington Extra, an opportunity for us to take an issue and really unpack it over a whole show. So today we're going to talk about drones, the technology of drones. Many are talking in this region about what a large opportunity it is, both for entrepreneurial behavior, but also to change many things about how our society works. To talk about that today, we're joined by Ann Swanson. She's an attorney with Wilkinson, Barker, and Nauer. Matt Sassero, who is with University of Maryland and operates their test site and is a researcher in drones, and Mark Ryan, who's CEO of Ryan Media Lab. Well, let's begin with, uh, this is an emerging industry. I mean, drones a lot more than just people playing with uh, little model airplanes these days. This is important stuff. I suspect that many of our listeners have an idea that drones are important, but maybe don't have an, a clear understanding of the the real large industrial opportunities there are. Mark, I know this is something you really have a lot of passion about. Why don't you start out this conversation? What What is about this industry that makes it so exciting? Well, it's the it's the opportunity to take a, a an autonomous technology, uh, robotics, and apply it in virtually every industry that, that exists in current society. So there's this huge displacement opportunity to, uh, to displace the old way of doing things uh, with the new technology. For example, uh, drone delivery. Drone delivery is going to become a reality. The, the majors are looking at it, FedEx, UPS, and so the uh, uh, U.S. Postal Service. But where, but where well, will the opportunities be? Well, we're driving things around in cars. We you know, have them on trucks. Here we have an opportunity to, to take a big slice of that um, that activity and make it more efficient, more productive, and at a lot lower cost, and actually improve the customer service on the other end. You know, I've got this mental image, and and I'm going to tur- turn to you in a moment. Uh, this sounds to me, I'm, I'm almost imagining Star Wars and Coruscant. You know, if you remember where you've got all the 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 air cars. You know, you look out the window of past Obi Wan, and and there are all the things. They, is that what you're imagining? And is that the world we're heading towards, where literally people are off, things are off the roads, and a lot's happening above us? No, we'll still always be on the roads, but I think we will get to a situation where there are a number of vehicles in spa- up in space, probably in low altitude, uh, uncontrolled airspace. Matt can speak to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we will be there. The, tri- the trick is going to be getting the regulations to catch up with the innovation and secondly, coming up with a traffic management system that will help us control that conglomeration that you see up in the sky. You know, it, it, I got to tell you, when I think about this industry, it really does feel to me like remember we were all younger we thought that we watched the jetsons which was much better than the flintstones because well it was air cars and it feels to, this is one of these industries just feels to me like really it's 20th 21st century stuff matt am i just losing my mind here what do not you think? at all uh, the way i tell folks is literally if you can imagine it we will be doing it we will be flying cars we will be doing unmanned things where we're just the passenger in the vehicle. We'll be moving things autonomously where we just say we want it to end up here and the vehicles, the system, the traffic management system figures out how to get it there safely, efficiently. All that stuff's going to happen. It's going to happen. So what we have to figure out is how do we get from here to there efficiently, safely, 
taking into account where we are now with economic systems and the money that's invested in next gen air traffic control system and not have to just totally get a white sheet of paper. So we really have to just figure out how do we get from here to all those there points. And there's just, you know, as your imagination uh, is limited, how many there points there are. Matt, uh, Mark Ryan, I, I before we came on the air, we talked a little bit about drones. And I think a lot of people when think about drones, they're thinking about these hobbyist drones that are now, you know, flooding the market from, from China. But they're a whole other host of, when we talk about drones, what are we talking about? That's a great question. So drones um, are have been around for a number of years in concept, but what really accelerated the the potential of the industry is the cell phone industry. There was many many millions of dollars invested in mic microelectronic systems that make a cell phone absolutely amazing. Those microprocessors are actually the brains and the arms and legs, so to speak, electronic arms and legs of a drone. So the kind of like all this remote te telemetry, the precision of GPS systems, that enables, and the use of the radio spectrum with remote controls, that enables a modern day drone to literally be, uh, do the amazing things that it can. It can fly long distances, it could fly at various altitudes, at various speeds, it can be controlled by computer. And then, so that opens up your imagination to, well, okay, what are we gonna do with these things? In some cases, we wanna just wanna take videography or put a sensor on it to, survey uh, agricultural fields or to go up on a, uh, above a rooftop and, and inspect the integrity of the, of the roof for, for maintenance or post-disaster where you need to look at thousands of roofs at one time. And so the insurance industry has adopted drones to uh, all the way up to large-scale drones. One of the more interesting um, uh, news uh, updates that came out uh, last week was that China has given official approval to the largest logistics company in China to fly what looks like basically a full-on freight air freight company. So they're able to fly small drones to deliver last mile delivery stuff to the homes in rural areas, all the way up to like one ton payloads at high altitudes where they're flying large, uh, a large number of packages. So the, the variety, the spectrum of the kinds of drones is enormous to, to, to some, from something that can fit in your hand to something that would uh, take up several spots in a parking lot or even larger. Um, so the, the size and shape depends on the use you're gonna, that society wants from it, if you're gonna carry large payloads or do uh, large things, or uh, just have like high value sensors doing, collecting data uh, for uh, all kinds of things, uh, construction, uh, maintenance, cell tower inspections, uh, railroad line inspections, all those things that are done now, but can, can be done a lot more efficiently using a drone. Matt, you're working with these things all the time. What's the state of the art right now? As far as technology-wise, there really isn't a limit. It's it's literally the imagination. We have kids, I just came from a meeting on campus. We had kids, uh, students putting LIDAR on their vehicles inside of a lab, but we're ready to take that outside. So sensors, your limits really are your ability to integrate all the pieces of several of the things that Mark brought up there, the microprocessors, the sensors, the out external data, the communications links that are either required for the application or required for regulations. It's your ability to integrate all of those things. So that's the technological limit right now. The bigger limit right now is regulatory. Uh, to do things in the national airspace, it is very controlled, rightfully so, by the FAA, and the ability to do what you want to do is limited by what you're able to do flight regulations. I think that is a great place for us to take our first break because this conversation, 
you know, what's fascinating to me, we're watching an industry emerge. Mm -hmm. And how many times in your life do you actually get a chance to see an industry emerge? And when we come back, I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to ask Ann Swanson how are we doing and regulating and bringing this industry into fruition. So this is a What's Working Washington Extra. We're talking about the drone industry, the big opportunity it holds, and the challenges it's bringing also. And we'll be right back. And a thank you to our sponsor, Montgomery County Economic Development Corporation. Their business development team can help you find the best talent, an ideal location, and the latest in market and business intelligence so you can do business successfully in the greater Washington region and Montgomery County. Your business success starts with MCEDC. Connect with them at thinkmoco.com. Welcome back to this What's Worst in Washington Extra. We're talking about the emerging drone industry. Before the break, I teed this up. And Swanson, what do you think of the current regulatory environment? Is the government going to screw this up or are they going to make it happen? No, I give the FAA a lot of credit. I mean, this is clearly an area where innovation is out in front of regulation, but these regulators are trying to catch up. Initially, I think things move very slowly, but starting in 2012 when we got some statutory language that kind of gave the FAA a boost and prodded it along. Uh, that created, for instance, the test sites that, that Matt, one of the test sites Matt works at. That really began to spur things. Um, and we really did begin to see commercial development. Initially, it was slow because you had to get a permit from the FAA to go fly. You had to go get an exemption. And that slowed things down. And there were thousands of applicants. And the FAA had administrative issues with that. But starting in the summer of 2016, when we got some new rules, the FAA made it possible to fly without first getting permission from them, as long as you stuck with some operational rules that they set down. Now, those are pretty restrictive still at this point, because the FAA is really a safety-based, very safety-conscious agency. But we're starting to see waivers of those. We're seeing put people pushing around the edges. And just today, the House adopted or passed a reauthorization for the FAA that includes even some more provisions that'll let things go forward. Matt Scassero, I mean, you're testing these drones all the time. Right. And you shared with me that you used to be an aviator. You got an awesome call sign. Which, <laughs> it's Gucci. Okay. So, yep. um, Gucci. But what I love about this, I have this image of you sort of being this mad scientist hobbyist, you know, <laughs> playing a lot of drones. My experience, a lot of entrepreneurs in new industries is the last thing they want is to be regulated. I've seen this for years. It, the government's terrible and I'll be regulated. Why, why is it that or how is it that this industry is growing up where there seems to be more of a, a willingness to work with government than some of the other industries that are emerging? Well, there's really, I would say, two crowds, two audiences in this group, in this uh, drone world, the UAS world. It's the Radio Shack crowd that's used to just the technology. They don't know anything about aviation, but they found this new tool, this all the microprocessors and all the 
technology that's enabling to do things with sensors and unmanned and autonomy and AI and all that kind of stuff. And they don't care about the aviation. It's just the fact that it flies is even better. It's more efficient. We can do more cool stuff. And then you have the aviation world that comes from manned aviation and the discipline and the safety approach that Ann mentioned and the, the discipline of that world. The two are colliding, and that's really it's been driving some of the tension. It's becoming a healthy tension, in my opinion, because of the FAA's leadership over the last, especially the last uh, two, three, four years. Uh, the FAA's leadership has really taken that tension and now focused it into the areas it needs to be focused on to actually create regulations. The amazing thing that came out with the regulations in 2016, the part 107 to us, was they put in waiver possibilities, the ability to do waivers. It wasn't just here's your rules, live by them. It was here's your rules. But here's all the things you can waive because that's going to be the next rule set. So they put in place things that allowed the next set of rules and allowed people to push out. So those two communities that came from opposite ends, I think, are driving a healthy tension now. And then the FAA is actually, in at least one case I can think of, pushed things farther than other parties wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And that's in the area beyond visual line of sight. We know that the end of 2016, well, about a year ago, we had rules drafted potentially that would let drones go beyond visual line of sight. But the law enforcement agencies came in mm-hmm. and said to the FAA, no, you can't ID and you can't remotely ID these, authenticate them. And until you do that, you can't let them go beyond visual line of sight. So the FAA actually was in front of some other parts mm-hmm. of the government. And we're now working on resolving that tension. And so a new thing that's happened on the regulatory front is something called uh, the Unmanned uh, Air- Aircraft Systems Integration Pilot Program. Uh, the short version of that is fast track. Okay, so the Trump administration said, "Okay, uh, we love the progress, but it needs to. We need to accelerate the development. We have to ex- accelerate the ex- the integration, the acceptance of drones in society because there are so many social benefits. And by the way, other countries are competing against us, and we're 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 we risk the the the, the opportunity that we have to be successful and to be the leader in the world. So." What does that mean? It, it, just, it includes the things that uh, Ann and Matt described, but it puts them on a, on a fast track. So they set up kind of like a reality TV show competition between uh, states across the U.S. to actually solicit private companies to come to their state and do things uh, uh, to explore the technology and push the envelope. And FAA, for their part, has committed to focus on that and fast track waivers if they, get, if they earn the right to fly. And Swanson... From your perspective, what do you think about what he just said? Well, I think it's the pilot program brought together fairly smartly a couple different political tensions. The states and localities wanted to be running the show. And then you had industry banging on the door of the White House saying, the FAA is not letting us do enough. So the White House said, "Okay, we're throwing you all together. This is going to be a pilot program where the lead applicants, the people running each set of each team that's picked is going to be a state or local government. And they're going to run it, and they're going to see how they can run it and how they can help integrate drones into the national airspace. And at the same time, they're going to bring on private partners, and those private partners will get to push the limits. They'll get to go beyond visual line of sight. They'll get to deliver packages, some of the things we can't do now. So they threw everybody together and said, you guys go figure it out. And we're just about at the stage where I think we're going to get the first teams. They'll be announced. It seems to me as I hear you talk about this, that this industry, say, compared to autonomous vehicles or artificial intelligence or some of the things that people perceive are going to drive the 21st century, it sounds to me like this industry has gotten its act together more. Is that fair to say, or am I just, do I have Stockholm syndrome? (laughs) I think it's done it pretty quickly, actually. We had a lot of, four or five years ago, we really did have the commercial folks, I think, in more disarray. And they've begun to realize that certain changes are needed. They're acting more cohesively. Uh, 
in that 2012 statute I mentioned, the Congress kind of said FAA hands off on regulating the hobbyists. You can't regulate the recreational drone folks. And in the last, oh, 12 or 18 months, the commercial industry has said that really needs to be done. And together they went to Congress, and I think that's getting changed. Yeah. And one of the, the new things, in the, to add to what Ann just said, uh, one of the new things that is a true accelerant in the progress is that the major corporations, the major players, have stepped into the arena. So you get General Electric, Intel, uh, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, they're all, they all have their commercial side tech whether it's software or hardware uh, that they're bringing into the into the into the operating to the civilian life so airspace management uh, uh, radar uh, uh, unmanned traffic management system architecture that basically will create an air traffic control system for drones which is basically from zero feet to 400 feet in altitude it's called UTM which is actually an acronym within an acronym it's UAS traffic management Shortened to UTM. Yeah, let's face it, there are a few things we do as well in Washington as acronyms, but that, that actually brings me a good point to break. When we come back after the break, I want to talk about why this is a particularly strong opportunity for our region. So we're going to talk with Ann Swanson, Matt Cicero, and Mark Ryan, all experts in the field of drones and commercialization, why this is a big freaking deal on what's working in Washington next year. We'll be right back. back to this What's Working to Watch Next, or we're talking about the drone industry and opportunities nationally and regionally with Ann Swanson. She's an attorney with Wilkinson, Barker, and Croner. Uh, Matt Scassero, who is a UMD test site operator and has the call sign Gucci. And so now, I'm never going to let you forget that yeah, ever, thanks. Matt. <laughs> and Mark Ryan, you don't have a call sign, but you're a CEO of Ryan Media Lab and real proponent for the industry. And I think I'll turn it to you first, Mark. Why uh, are drones such a big deal for our economy? You know, in the earlier days, the answer today is different than it would have been five years ago because the surprising rise of the drone industry has taken a lot of people by storm. So if you look at the at the numbers, you know, the GDP impact back in, uh, you know, just five years ago, the GDP impact was $40 million with an M. Uh, just five years later, last year, 2017, the GDP impact was $1 billion with a B. And folks like McKinsey are estimating that within a handful of years, it'll be upwards of 30 to 40 or more billion dollars of GD impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, Secretary uh, uh, Lane Chow of USDOT uh, cites 50,000 new jobs in the drone industry have already been created. And if you look at the VC market, the venture capital market, some 300 companies have come on in the past several years, three years in fact, and have uh, garnered $3 billion in venture capital investment. So there's a huge uptick um, on the macro and on the on the uh, macroeconomic view, but also on, you know, the industry participation. It's it's almost startling. <laughs> you know, I think about 50,000 new jobs and that sounds that's a lot of jobs and that's a lot of jobs uh, in an industry that will have a huge multiplier effect. So I'm I'm, I'm very excited about this. I think this is, is terrific. Let's take it more locally for a moment. Um, Matt, uh, I know you're doing the test site. 
you're in the middle of university, federal R&D, that would seem to me to be something this region would do really well if we got our acts together. Are you seeing us focusing on this uh, the way we should be? Yeah, it's we're it is something we have a demonstrated expertise in in turning research into jobs and turning government R&D into civil R&D. But now we're starting to see the government interest in the bringing the civil R&D into the government. So you're seeing the technology transfer now going both ways with this industry. So it is something we are good at. We've done it with biohealth, uh, biomed, uh, other areas. We're going to be able to do the same thing with uh, unmanned aircraft systems, unmanned ground vehicles, unmanned surface, subsurface vehicles, all those things. And we have the experience, we have the ability, and we have the technologies. Uh, the DOD has been working on drones for literally 40, 50 years. Mm -hmm. In the last 20 years, they've taken it because of the microprocessor revolution. They've really expanded the capabilities. Now we're starting to look at AI and the abilities of autonomous vehicles and machine learning and applying those things to the unmanned world. So we're going to see just a rippling effect of technology going out and out and out and creating more and more opportunity. That's what I really see is it's just an incredible opportunity in the local area as a region, but as a technology area. The two of those things married together just as a lot of opportunity for our area. We have a lot of smart folks here in Washington who can figure out how to move the regulations along more quickly and how to move the statutes yeah. along more quickly. And I think this industry is benefiting from that. It's moving a lot more quickly, I think, in regulatory triumphs and successes than, say, the Internet folks did. Mm -hmm. It took a decade or two there, and this is moving very, very quickly. We've got a lot of expertise in this area on that. And then I don't use the term Beltway Bandit as a pejorative. I mean, we've got a lot of folks who have taken that military expertise that Matt mentioned over the years and turned it into civilian applications. And those companies are all, I think, engaging mm -hmm. in this industry. So do you think it's fair to say that as we look at possibilities for economic growth in the greater Washington region, drones is something that our policymakers in the state level should really be focused on. So, right? And I think, you know, the governments around the area have. I mean, Virginia has been very active in that. Maryland has. Our governors, Virginia and Maryland, I think are awake to that. Created commissions, created bodies. I mean, and they're also starting to put funding in. I mean, I think we're still a little behind. New York has made a big push into this. North Dakota, Ohio, there are some areas that are ahead of us. But I think we're waking up. I agree. And the uh, the states are passing pro-U.S. legislation where in the first two, three years I was working this uh, particular effort, which about five, six years ago, we were beating down anti-drone legislation in the state legislatures. Now you see pro-U.S. In Maryland, I know we passed Senate Bill 370 back in 2015. It was the second pro-U.S. legislation in the United States. Now nine other states have copied it because it levels the playing field within the state. It, uh, it recognizes the federal preemption, but it encourages U.S. activity, do studies, uh, economic uh, funding from the state's uh, economic development organizations. So the states are really getting involved, and they've come to understand what the limits are, federal preemption of the airspace, things like that. So we're doing very well. One thing to add, you know, a, a number of industries over the past 30, 40 years have really been born out of Washington, unleashed through legislation that's been passed, whether it's the cable television industry or the wireless industry, huge uh, brain trusts of really talented people, as, as Ann said, is, are, are here working really hard on the, on the Hill, in, the, in, in law, and in various ancillary uh, supporting industries where everybody's, it's a team effort, where everybody's trying to craft the best possible regulatory framework. That a tremendous amount of learning is is built up there. That's what that's what we have right now with the unmanned industry. So we have an opportunity to capture that and lever that for the local economy. You know, it's funny to me. If we were sitting around in the 1800s, we could we wouldn't necessarily be having conversations about how steam power has changed the world, right? We were sitting around, we'd talk about the railroads or. But 
you guys are in the middle of a brand new 21st century industry. How exciting must it be to be giving birth to an industry? We actually do talk about exactly what you mentioned. We talk about the pivot points of industry, you know, the uh, the reciprocating engine, the gas engine, the writ back further than that, the steam engine. In aviation, you had uh, manned flight. It was only It's only 100 years old, a little over 100 years old. And now we're talking about unmanned flight, literally 100 years later. So you've seen, you've seen these pivot points. We are at a pivot point, and it's happening so fast that we're seeing the opportunities at the same time we're creating the industry. They're really happening. People are really starting to make money and finding their commercial opportunities. And I hope you encourage your students to jump right in, into this. What a great career for somebody I can't coming out of back. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, consider this. So the first approved package delivery by drone was conducted just less than three years. In the United States, was just conducted three years ago. Less than three years ago, it was July 2015, by Flirty, an independent company in, in the hills of Virginia. And that was momentous. It was beyond visual on sight. It was autonomous. Consider the, the, vertical, the vertical arc of development, you know, since even a point less than three years ago. This industry is growing exponentially fast in its sophistication and its ability to socialize its technology. People are becoming very warm to the idea. If you look at a, a, the recent public survey, well, it was about a year and a half ago by the Postal Service. Most of the people, most of Americans in the national survey were open to uh, drone delivery. I think Mark mentioned that this is a disruptive, initially viewed as a displacing industry. I think the public's coming around to seeing that it saves lives, it saves time, it saves, it saves money. It really does. I'm really glad you took the time to come to this studio today. This has been a, a really fun conversation to have. I, I love it when you get a ringside seat into something truly new, particularly something that has the potential to put a lot of people to work and really take advantage of our regional resources. So with that, I want to thank Ann Swanson, which is an attorney with Wilkinson, Barker, and Nar, Matt Scassero, who's running the University of Maryland test site and uh, has a lot of passion about making things fly and not crash. And I like that about you. And Mark Ryan, CEO of Ryan Media Lab. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. And a thank you to our sponsor, Montgomery County Economic Development Corporation. Their business development team can help you find the best talent, an ideal location, and the latest in market and business intelligence so you can do business successfully in the greater Washington region and Montgomery County. Your business success starts with MCEDC. Connect with them at thinkmoco.com. Support for this podcast comes from University of Maryland's Smith School of Business, where students learn to harness data to meet tomorrow's challenges. More information about the Smith School MBA program is available at rhsmith.umd.edu. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online writer is Barbara Ulrich. Music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and please rate the podcast. And let us know who you think we should be talking to on the show. Tweet us at, at What's Working DC. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington. Download this show or any of our weekly programs at federalnewsradio.com. 
What's Working in Washington, Monday afternoons at 2.30 on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m.